0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hey guys, Ryan Spreck here. As you all know, the Summer in the Skies podcast is always free to consume, but it isn't free to create. That's why I've started the Somewhere in the Skies Patreon campaign. On a monthly basis, you give what you think the show is worth. You'll be helping the show continue, grow, and to be something truly communal. And remember, there are rewards for each level of contribution, and the list is only growing. So please, help Somewhere in the Skies now by becoming a patron. To contribute and to learn more, visit www.patreon.com backslash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support. And now, on with the show. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. Georgie What a nice boat Do you want it back? Um, yes please You look like a nice boy Do you want a balloon too, Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers Oh, well I'm Pennywise the dancing clown Now we aren't strangers, are we? I
0: should get
1: going now. Without you, boo? Here. Take it. Hi, guys. Ryan Sprague here. And this is a very special episode of Somewhere in the Skies. As I'm sure you're well aware, the highly anticipated film, It, premiered late last week to much acclaim. And I, like many others, flocked to the theater to see it. Now, as a very big Stephen King fan, I had high hopes and expectations for this remake. And so did my good friend and colleague, Andrew Sanford, whom you've heard on the show before. So after our viewings, we sat down to discuss the film in depth. And this is what came of it. I think it goes without saying, this is a very spoiler-heavy discussion, so you've been warned. If you haven't seen the film yet, I highly suggest going out and seeing it before listening. And if you have, I hope you had a terrifyingly good time, like we did. So sit back while we discuss It, directed by Andre Muschietti, and starring Finn Wolford, Sophia Lillis, and Pennywise himself, Bill (sighs) Skarsgård. God, I hate clowns. Hey guys, Ryan Sprague here from Somewhere in the Skies, and this is new for us. This is uh, the first episode where we will not be covering UFOs or the paranormal per se. We will be talking sort of about the supernatural today. I am back with Mr. Andrew Sanford, who you guys have heard on the show before, and we are fresh off our viewing of it. Andrew, how you doing, my man?
0: Oh, Ryan, Ryan. Ryan. (laughs) Ryan, that's me. Yeah, Uh, right. I was trying to do the. I'm. I. It will be a few more times that I see it, but I will get um, Bill Skarsgård's voice down. His it voice. Yes, his Pennywise (laughs) voice
1: the the youngest i think of the scars guards am i correct in that oh i'm
0: so oh, he is absolutely i don't know, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're, you're 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 not a specialist on the scars guards i'm
0: not a scars guard specialist all right well, tried. i took a course it was like a three-week course and uh, I, I i got to Skellin, and i was like this is enough for me
1: community college I or assume.
0: stella stella scars no Stellin. yeah it was a community oh yeah absolutely okay it's like Chris Rock said, I slapped $5 down and I went in and I was like, let me get my learn on coach. <laughs> so you,
1: you saw this movie in New York. I saw it in Hollywood. So we probably had very similar experiences, I would assume. Was it a very lively crowd at your viewing?
0: You know what? It, it was. I went to a 34th Street Theater and I will say, um, for those of you who are not familiar with New York, you have your, like, sections broken up of Midtown, and the, some of the bigger sections of theaters are on 42nd Street um, by Lincoln Center on 68th Street, and then there's a theater down on 34th. Don't get me wrong, there, there are a lot of movie theaters, but those are what I would say would be, like, the main ones, and maybe one in, like, Union Square. Anyway, 34th is probably the least busy of all of those. Mm-hmm. So while I didn't have a super full theater they were into it which was nice and nobody was too there was a few people that were chatting a little bit but they were i, I always have a little bit more leniency when that when i can tell they're clearly like enjoying themselves right. and that's kind of why they're talking that's uh, like you know I I, I I i i that i'm fine with it's when somebody's just like so you know i just figure if we go to chipotle after this and then we go like that's <laughs> that's when i start to get upset Um, but they were into it. And what I loved, and I haven't seen something like this in a while. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little little bit more later. They, they started, everybody started with kind of like fun jump scares. Like, Ooh, like, Oh, oh, man, this is crazy. It'd be kind of loud when they got scared. And then they got progressively more creeped out as the movie went along. And those scares became more like uncomfortable screams. And I was like, this is pretty fantastic. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. I mean, so I, I'm kind of the same as you, like, I, I kind of, I get I get very hesitant to go to openings or uh, big, big movie events because I'm always afraid there's going to be that one jerk who's, like, talking the whole time, or, like you said, just, like, doing it to be noticed. Um, no, I went to the Arclight Theater in Hollywood, and this place was massive. Like, I, I don't know how many people this holds. I'm guessing, like six seven hundred it was freaking huge um nice. so you had like the stadium feel to it and i'm like oh great so the odds are against me that someone's gonna be an asshole for this whole movie um i was wrong i mean it was nice it was incredible it was a communal experience everyone had a great time uh it is funny however the girl i sat next to so okay The movie hasn't even started. We're into maybe the first preview. And people are still walking in, trying to find their seats. It's the previews. Like, I get that. A lot of people don't want to come and watch uh, half an hour of trailers. So (laughs) we're in the first trailer. The movie's not starting for another 20 minutes. And this girl is just vocally to everyone saying, Are you serious? Come on time. Are are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? So (laughs) while I... While I... (laughs) <laughs> am like this person in the sense that i hope people don't come late to the movie i was like you are really really yeah. is this happening first right of, now
0: first of all first of all you as you made very clear you're in a, a theater that seats hundreds yes there are statistically there are going to be late people statistically <laughs> and that's what we have received reserve seats for now i i one thing i i, don't, I think we could talk just about it, the movie going experience for a little bit longer I don't know how I lived without reserved seats. I really don't. Same here. It's it's the new it's it's the new sliced bread reserved seats at the movie theaters. Yeah. You can quote quote me on that reserved seats at the movies are the new sliced bread
1: I love it there's no pressure there's no holding seats for people nope. uh, you know hopefully you get like if you're going with one other person you get that little two-person section don't have mm-hmm. to worry about elbow room uh, uh, you know what I mean it just absolutely. It, it, it makes the experiment experiment experience hey. so much better yeah um,
0: yeah, and they I mean they that's they that's what they have to do now. You have to not like going to the movies can't seem like a chore or people definitely won't go. Labor Day weekend had the worst box office for a Labor Day weekend since the early 90s with the number 1 movie in America being Hitman's Bodyguard. Oh my god. Yeah, that's a problem. Oh. Now don't get me wrong. I and I uh On a recent episode of Half-White Son of a Black Man, we did talk about the fact that myself and my good friend Sean Lanigan did contribute to Hitman's Bodyguard making some kind of money, but I did not (laughs) assume that it was going to keep going. But there was nothing else out when we went to the movies. And that's why it is cleaning up right now. It debuted $13.5 million for a midnight screening for an R-rated movie.
1: Unbelievable. A remake, nonetheless. It beat Deadpool. Wow. Yeah. See that's great. See, I'm glad. to See, I'm looking right now, and it's got a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Yeah, man, it's pretty impressive.
1: That's impressive, and we'll get into that because yeah, you and I spoke earlier about some qualms we have with this movie, but overall, um, just a very fun time at the movies. Perfect. Yeah, for I really summer. enjoyed it,
0: um, especially for a big. I'm I'm all for now. Don't I actually want to see what the budget was for this movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirty-five million is not a lot of money especially for and and that's one of the things that'll come back later the more we talk about especially dairy the town that this movie takes place in specifically um you can tell that this movie did the best that it could with a very 35 million dollars is not a lot of money these days to make a movie that needs to be spectacle worthy um but it's gonna make that budget back tenfold now don't get me wrong 35 is a lot for a horror movie especially these days when people are running on like the Bloomhouse method, which is like make something for three million dollars and then it makes ninety on their uh, iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but um, wow, thirty-five million. Yeah, it's 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 cleaning up and it's going to do really well for an R-rated movie. That's nuts, and it's exciting. For me, uh, that hopefully between this and um, all the Conjuring movies and stuff like that, that studios are putting putting their faith in these big mythical horror-type movies, even if they leave that out.
1: Yes, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that part of it.
0: <laughs> I also saw, oh, man, Ryan, I don't think we've talked in a while. You're very familiar with my love of the first Conjuring movie and my obsession with the Warrens that came after that. I finally saw Conjuring 2 the other day. Oh, my <laughs> God. I was not a fan. <laughs> uh, agreed. Yes.
1: Uh, for Ooh, anyone who boy. has
0: not seen Conjuring Two, do not waste your time. Oh man, I was. Oh boy, and don't get me wrong. There was a lot of there were a lot of problems with it as a movie, but I. I... Uh, I, I remember leaving the first Conjuring and be like, I want to see more movies where the Warrens really like go out and like Scooby Do it up and just right. solve a bunch of mysteries. And I was I, I, that started to happen in this movie, and I was like, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't want it. I don't want it. I, I don't
0: want it. But so it, so it. Yes. I, I I wanted to ask you this because you had mentioned that you're uh, how aware, oh, 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 how how big a part does it play in your life, if any at all?
1: It was the first book of Stephen King's that I ever picked up. So I Ooh. was, I believe, Ooh. 11 years old. Where, <laughs> and in my barbershop in Syracuse, New York, uh, I would go every second Saturday of the month with my father to get my hair cut. And it was on the bookshelf at my barbershop. So every... Every uh, once a month or what have you, I would read a small section of this book every time I went. So after about, what, four years, I finally finished finished this massive book, um, which was interesting because I was getting older as I was reading the book. And as we know, youth and growing up have a lot to do with this story. Um, Absolutely. Now, I believe I, I started reading it. At way too young an age, but it definitely got me hooked on Stephen King. I've read so much of his work since then. Uh, I'm a fan of some of his movies. Uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's some contention with a lot of them, but uh, I would say 11 years old is when I was first introduced to this story. How about you?
0: I I have vague memories of seeing the miniseries when I was very very little. I do. I and I. I it's funny. My parents had kind of a. a um, not like a wild west type attitude, but I got with the stuff that I saw when I was younger, they A I have an older brother. He's about four years older than me. And uh the stuff that he wanted to see we usually saw. Um at first, you know, that would change. But he we would see I saw a lot of stuff early and I remember seeing it very, very young and being really scared of that movie. And then at one point uh, my younger bro- It became something that me and my younger brother would go and get from the video store constantly, like uh, almost every outing. We would just watch this over and over again to the point where we still to this day will just text each other random quotes from it. And I will uh, – I tried to read the book at one point when I was younger. I was probably around like 12 or 13, and I don't I, – I think I, there's no way I would have finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually just—I remember st- a lot of stuff uh, from the beginning of the book, and then I actually read it. Finally, read it all the way through this past summer, and finished it the day before I saw the movie. Uh, mm. But I am—I am a huge Stephen King fan. I actually have been watch. I watched. What did I watch yesterday before I went to see? I watched um, Room 237, the documentary about all those ridiculous conspiracy theories about The Shining. Right. Um, I watched The Dark Half last week. Um, which is on Hulu right now. Which I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but you absolutely have to watch it, especially as a writer. And um, I watched The Stand recently. I love Steve. I love, love, love Stephen <laughs> King. And I was very excited for this movie. And I will say, I was what's oh, it? It definitely did not meet my expectations, but I was not disappointed. If that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. No, I, I'm with you on that. No, I'm sure some people will disagree with us, but this is not. The the buzz that this movie has created had a lot to do with the marketing, I think. And now now that the movie's coming out, I think we're going to see a maybe maybe a slight decline in the quality of ratings and reviews that come out on it because it is it's definitely flawed there's there's definitely some issues Mm -hmm. uh but we'll we'll get into that i yeah i think what would be cool is for those who don't know what this story is about everyone knows tim curry the clown but um I'm going to put the pressure on you here, man. Would you mind giving us like a brief synopsis of what this story is about? This thousand page book?
0: Sure. Absolutely. So uh, uh, about 1300. No, 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 no. A little less than 1200, a little less than 1200 pages. Um, So essentially there is a, uh, it starts off with a young child who was murdered uh, and it sets off a string uh, back in 1957. um, And It sets off a string of events where this group of kids who are brought together this one summer, uh, some of them friends before, some of them not, and they find out that there's this evil entity that resides in their town uh, that is feasting on children. And this connects to events. Now, I I will say I want to say right here that um, even kind of discussing the story of the book Mm -hmm. uh, gives spoilers for the movie yes
1: now let's, uh, I would let's say make we this should, warning yeah, now on,
0: yeah, spoiler, spoiler alerts from here on in yes uh, You've been especially when discussing the book because for those who may not be familiar with it the property that is being presented right now in the movie is only half of the story uh, in the book the events of these people as children discovering that there's this entity feeding on children um, work as flashbacks to a main story which is 27 years after that young boy is killed where the murders start up again (laughs) and this one guy who stayed behind calls on all his friends to return and that's when they start to remember the events of their childhood and them having to take on this malevolent uh, being and it is very much a story about childhood and how it shapes who we become as people and then also how we deal with certain ugliness that it's you know like stephen king it's all about a small town ugliness and yeah and, and a lot of it also is just a big old it's a ghost story and it's also a a monster story and it's it's anything that would have frightened kids in the 50s. That's right. kind of what he was going for. Um, but yeah, so it's about these kids, this ragtag group of kids, the Losers Club, having to come together to fight this evil being, both in their youth and as adults. And it's it's pretty fantastic. Having just finished the book, it was it's it's a real phenomenal story that mm-hmm. he concocted. And it's it's got so much, which is why my expectations were so high when I had especially heard. I have some friends who do reviews and who had seen early screenings of the movie and they said it's very faithful and they do a really good job. And I think it's just one of those things where I have to realize, like, unless they do a 10 episode miniseries, which almost happened at one point Mm -hmm. back before the original miniseries, um, they're not going to be able to touch on everything. Yeah. so my problems uh, lie with some other choices that they made, but we'll get into that. But yeah, that's pretty much the story. That's my long, drawn-out way of explaining what the story is. <laughs> I, I
1: I think it was pretty good and concise. Oh, well, thank for, you, right. Oh,
0: oh, thank you, thank
1: you. You're very welcome. No... This is an updated version. We should point that out. That this 2017 yes. version is in the 80s, so we've bumped it up a few decades, uh, which I thought was awesome. All the yeah, I thought it was a
0: good choice, and I yeah, mean, I have to
1: absolutely. Now um, we had the new kids on the block played a big part in this.
0: Oh, it was great. Oh, aesthetically, aesthetically, I don't think this movie made a single messed up. It was everything looked beautiful. Everybody looked like it looked like it was 1989. Now, don't get me wrong, I was born in 1989, but I've seen a lot of movies from 1989. They get that look and they get that feel. Um, I I remember turning to my fiancé at one point and saying, like, I love Eddie's shorts. Because he had these, like, (laughs) little red bike shorts with, like, little rainbows on the side. Mm. Like, it just, uh, it was great.
1: It it reminded me a lot of Stranger Things, to be completely honest.
0: Sure. Uh, Well, I mean, Stranger Things gets a lot from it
1: yes oh absolutely It's cyclical man absolutely and we even have one of the actors who's in both oh of them.
0: my god that kid finn i i have the wikipedia page pulled up just so i don't Mess screw up, up anybody's names but it's uh because a, a one thing i will say is every person in this cast uh deserves a round of applause i thought the acting was phenomenal top to bottom there wasn't a single miscast person um even when they had some like subpar writing, they still you know, those kids were good. Absolutely. Finn Wolf Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard Finn is his Wolfhard. Name, yep. who played little Richie Tozier.
1: Now my favorite was uh Jack Grazer, the uh the hypochondriac kid.
0: Uh see, well so here's my question. And that was something where there were some details that they changed that were very, that were odd to me. Um like right from the beginning. They have they introduced Mike Hanlon, uh, the black kid, mm-hmm. as having a being watched over by his grandfather, who tells him about the things in this town. Uh, that is complete like a, a detail that for some reason I I'm not sure what they did. Maybe so it's not just like every kid dealing with their parents, but like his his parents are fully alive uh, at during the events of this. Of that are transpiring right. uh, in the book and in the original miniseries. So to make it his grandfather was strange. And another thing that's strange is they kind of took. Stanley, who is the Jewish kid, and made it so he. I don't know, they kind of stripped a lot of details away from him because I know they have Eddie, who is the hypochondriac, the one who has the pills and the placebos and stuff like that. Yes. But then you. So you have him as the hypochondriac, but then Stanley is also supposed to be like a germaphobe all of a sudden. And it was a weird. Like, there is that element to Stanley, but because. They didn't, like, really flesh out um, how much of Eddie's sickness was in his head. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Those two kind of uh, blended together for me a little bit. There was a little bit of that where I was starting to lose, like... They lost their individuality occasionally. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, A lot of people are also... Uh, correlating this to Stand by Me, like it's very oh, yeah. similar in oh, terms yeah. of having each young boy have very unique characteristics that make them stand out and make them a part of the group. Um, and I think you're right. I think as the move as this 2017 movie goes on, uh, we did lose some of that. They they the character choices were not exactly what I think they were. They were just there to move the plot along. Um, yes. But again, like you said, the writing for this movie was not top-notch. As for the acting and directing, I can't imagine having to work with a cast this young and make this story so compelling, uh, so heartwarming, and yeah. so absolutely terrifying as well. Yeah. So kudos to the director. Uh what is his name? I, I want Andy
0: Muschietti. And yes. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but, yeah, the other movie he did was Mama. Mama. Um, which I have not seen, actually, but I've heard very good things about. Yes. Um, and it, what's interesting uh, is, I mean, this movie went through one of those classic development hell-type situations where Kerry Fukunaga, w- who um, wrote and directed the first season of True Detective, and he did Beasts of No Nation, um, he wrote... And was supposed to direct the uh, this movie. So the first dra- – and apparently a lot from his first draft carried over into this movie. Um, but there's also a lot that didn't because his first draft actually leaked online, I would say, like six months ago or something like that. <sighs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's definitely more – what's interesting is – and one of my biggest problems with the movie uh, was that I did not feel that the town was enough of a character, which is very – important. I feel anyway – um, very important to the source material. You really get to know dairy by the end of the book and even the miniseries I felt. Um, and this one, I feel like they didn't do that as much. It could have been a budgetary issue, but I know they also had to cut some, uh, flashbacks, um, like a big part of the book. And they do it like they do it a little bit more in the miniseries through Mike Hanlon, where he's, he does a lot of research, uh, to into Derry's past and all these different events that are going on, and that stuff gets kind of glossed over in this movie, yeah, which I thought was weird, not
1: only that, but they gave it to a different character you know we they got... did,
0: and I mean Ben does some of that in the book, um mm-hmm. but it was kind of. They, they gave – they really did not give Mike a lot to do in this movie except for be saved at one yeah. point. Um, but I love that, by the way. The rock fight was pretty fantastic. Um, rock war! Oh, my God. That was awesome. And to have – I I love um, and it shows this dude's skill as a director that like they build it up like this big thing. And then the the camera just pulls back and you see that it's just kids whipping rocks at each other. Right. Like five feet away away from each other. Yeah. They're just (laughs) whipping rocks at each other. It's awesome (laughs) it's great it's
1: one of those moments in cinema where like and you see this in ant-man too where like you when you zoom in on a scenario it's so epic and big in scope and then when you get the broader picture it looks so small in comparison which is wonderful you know that perception alone just makes for great humor and that's another thing about this movie i think a lot of people are coming out saying that was more funny than anything um sure it's scary as hell do not get me wrong there are some moments in this movie that were absolutely terrifying not many but there were some that really left my audience at least uh completely silent or cringing in their seats
0: they they really earned that r rating in at least as far as like violence against children uh, is concerned what? um and having kids act like you know kids Especially from the late 80s. Like, they swore and they smoked cigarettes. Or at least one of them did.
1: You know, (sighs) uh, nervous of meeting a girl for the first time. Like, everything was there. Every element of, like, a young man's life was definitely there. You know, we have one female character, basically, in this whole movie. Which I think she Mm -hmm. really stood on her own and did a wonderful job. Uh, She
0: was great. And I was really glad. Oh, man, I got real nervous at one point. uh, Because... So they took some, like, sweeping changes um, that – like, for instance, having Georgie at the very beginning the child who's killed get, like – taken which i didn't really like i i bill's motivations and the the main character's motivation well main quote unquote in the source material material are a little bit more noble it's more of like because they he knows full well that his brother has been killed and in this one they make it it's his brother's been taken and bill doesn't think he's been killed so he's on a search to try to prove that his brother isn't killed and on the way discovers that he should take out this clown and it was an odd it felt like an odd choice to me. And then uh, they doubled down on that by having Pennywise abduct Beverly at one point, the only female character. Yes. And I got really nervous for a second that she was going to be just like a damsel in distress. Exactly. Um, until they made it very clear that she was taken because he couldn't hurt her because she wasn't afraid of him. Uh, that was a nice touch. I, I was nervous and then they kind of they pulled it back especially since she like because it also plays back into she's the first one that's able to hurt him because she's like not afraid yep Um, but then and we talked about this earlier because they don't really get into who or what it is Um, you don't get as clear of a picture as to why they're able to hurt it things just kind of happen
1: yep uh, yeah there's there's really no rules established. There's no, uh, no mythology <laughs> behind what it is, uh, yeah. which is fine. I, I, you know, In a way, I, I think, at least in this first chapter, we're not going to know what it is. We're not going to sure. know why it's doing this. We don't know how big a role it plays in the town of Derry. What I think is really interesting is how... It feeds off of the fear of each of these boys, which was—I I don't know if this is in the original version, the miniseries—but when they go into the house and they experience each of their individual the, fears. The
0: house, the yeah. house is not in the miniseries at all.
1: Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. No. Um,
0: well, no, no, no. That's not true. It's in it very briefly. Stanley goes in there. Okay. Um, it's in it very briefly, and he sees like somebody like wrapped in bandages and stuff, and is able to escape by name.
1: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. slash Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: all of his birds, um, which is a callback to something that happens in the book. But they, um, yeah, they they do they do do the ind- individual fears in the miniseries. But I I do agree that they um, ha- there was much more of a potency to it this time. Yes, um, which I enjoyed, um, and the, and the, they were sc- it was it was scary. Like some of that stuff was real creepy and odd and disturbing, and um, I I could appreciate that they really like went all out with having these scenarios that the clown was creating. Um, that's why I didn't mind the CG as much.
1: Let's let's talk about that now. This sure this movie definitely had uh, some flaws with its CGI Mm -hmm. it it was not the best again we were working on a minimal budget and it did distract a little but like you mentioned this to me earlier how do you create such a fantastical and nightmarish world um, with the budget you have with a story like this um, without CGI I don't think it would have been possible
0: especially the shooting schedules people want nowadays and like things like like it's a practical. Like, people. I uh, Practical effects are fantastic, but they're also very difficult. Um, and expensive. Uh, and expensive. So it's. And now you can – what's what's great about this movie, because you could argue the same thing for like – a perfect example of trying to use CG in a movie that should be re- like really able to take advantage of C- CG and failing miserably is the Nightmare on Elm Street remake from 2010. Absolutely. 2009, 2010. Yeah. It, it is so devoid of any – like it just feels like a computer simulation. Yeah. In this, they – I thought they – did a good job on some of it. There was even a shot, especially, where his head is kind of, like, moving, almost. It's, like, very disorienting. I forget who was looking at him. I think it might have been, like, Eddie. But his head is almost kind of, like, like distorting in the picture. And at first, I thought, like, oh, man, that's, like, bad CGI. And then I was like, no, this is just really, like, disorienting. Like, this Mm -hmm. is really... they, They got down that, like, he is really trying to torture these people and play off of them and make things weird and make things feel, like, not real. Like, when he pops out of the... Like, that slide scene. Oh. Uh, where just Oh, my God. Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, for
1: those who don't know, there's a scene where there's a projector that's, like, starting to have a, a, a life of its own, and it's flipping through these projections very quick, and we're seeing it getting closer and closer and then boom he just comes out of the projection
0: screen it's like this giant oh my god it was so cool yeah yeah some of that stuff was really honestly and what's interesting is i found myself really enjoying the parts with pennywise the most and i didn't necessarily have that feeling in my other experiences with the source material, because usually the things, and this is another one of the problems that I had with the movie, is that while they did have some elements of like truly terrible human beings, uh, which is always a big thrust in Stephen King's Work, which is that like the monsters that we usually have to fear are humans, mm-hmm. they didn't do it enough for me. Like, it's only kind of slightly there, and then in the times when it's supposed to look like it is making this happen, you're not really sure because you've already, like, they just didn't. I feel like they didn't have enough, maybe even, interest in that if that makes sense. Like, it's... it's it, it, a, good, a perfect example is, like, Eddie's mom. Eddie's mom gets all the teeth taken out of her as far as, like, being a biting character because she just... At first, they present her as being, like, almost apathetic as far as, like, what he goes and does and then all of a sudden she becomes more like the character from the book which is just overly concerned with what he's doing. And it is... So then when he finally, like, stands up to her, there was no... There is nothing to it, really, um, which should be a big part of it. Like in the in the book and in the miniseries, she is an a, a antagonist. She's just as bad as Pennywise, you come to fight. She's just as bad as Henry Bowers. Like she's just she's one of the bad guys, whether she means to be or not. And she's truly frightening just in the kind of grip that she has on Eddie. And I don't, aside from Beverly's dad in this version, um, they don't really – get into that with the humans and with his it's even simplified where he's just a creep he's just gross there's no like in the they just full blown make it so that he's like trying to have sex with her which Mm -hmm. is only kind of like hinted at in the books and and the miniseries like it's never really explicit Yeah, you know he's terrible but it's more leveled than that which is what makes it scarier it's more real like he was a cartoon in this movie
1: yeah same with uh uh, the older boy who's kind of bullying all the losers in the club who later in the movie literally becomes a murderer
0: oh henry bowers yes that one yeah they didn't really that was another one where there was no it, it was all very sudden like all of a sudden he's snapped and like they but they didn't do enough to show like he's just kind of a bully and i like don't get me wrong bullies don't need motivation necessarily but there was there was nothing here they they talk about at one point how he's like oh like beverly says to ben uh the uh the fat boy in the group uh <laughs> quote unquote uh, fat boy yeah fat fat boy she says like oh everybody knows he's he's got a bone to pick with you or like he's after you or something like that and we're like it's like all right could you feel what, what do you want to happen
1: yeah
0: yeah I was like, I and I was like, I've read the book. I know why, but I would like to know as a moviegoer, please, right? Um, just something. Um, and there was a lot of weird. Like they they chose weird opportunities um, to pick showing over telling, and vice versa. And this is something that I don't think any of them will ever be able to get across. It, I guess it just comes across easier in prose, but in both the miniseries and in this movie. It, they have ridiculous scenes where the kids are just like i guess it's just some hundred year old evil being that can feed <laughs> off of our fears and use them to exploit it's just like <laughs> what, the fuck are you,
1: what are you talking about <laughs> yeah yeah this is uh i i think this this film in particular th- this version is a perfect example of style over substance this movie was gorgeous i mean yeah. The sets, it looked like you were in almost like a haunted house at times, or you were in this town of Derry. It, it, and even like down to when we're in the house and each kid is having their, their fear played out, it felt like you were following them through a room in some sort of haunted house theme park.
0: That, um, the, yeah, the, the scenes in the house were probably... were probably the best scenes in the movie those are pretty fantastic that was that was real good i Um, I really liked everything that happened in there it was real scary bill skarsgård did a fantastic job with those kids and what i love is i don't know if you knew this but the producers and every and the director uh wouldn't introduce the kids to him before they shot those scenes oh
1: my god yeah
0: yeah yeah so they met him for the first time doing those scenes
1: that's you know that's interesting i I, yeah. I do wonder how often that happens when with uh kids who are in horror movies like how, <laughs> how real do they really want to make it
0: well you know what's funny is i guess pretty often because i just recently read a story for annabelle creation where anthony lapaglia who's one of the actors in that movie did the exact same thing like isolated himself from the kids while they were shooting yep so,
1: you know who yeah. else did that uh ryan reynolds did that when he, was it ryan reynolds uh, I believe it was who did the movie? Amityville, Amityville movie? Oh,
0: really, really?
1: Because he knew that these kids, he was, you know, he was portraying their father, and right. that he he had to brutally murder them. He did not want to have any sort of. Uh, connection with the actors beforehand uh which is interesting i would think it would be the other way around you would want to build a relationship with these kids who are supposed to be your children making it all that more powerful when he actually murders them that's
0: a good that's a good point. I haven't uh, really thought yeah. about that. It always just kind of made sense to me, but now that you say that, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, it is interesting. Now, um, Bill Skarsgård. Now, how, how sure. do you think he compares to Tim
0: Curry? Oh, it's apples and oranges. It's, yep, yep, yep. And, and, and don't get me wrong; he is not. Um, well, I mean the he did a perfectly fine job and i don't mean to say like he's no Heath ledger like he's no like he didn't do a very good job but it is very much a you know jack nicholson did his thing in 89 tim curry did things his thing in 90 Heath ledger did his thing in dark knight and Bill skarsgård did his thing in this i think it's different enough and stands enough on its own it's just a different take and it's a very grounded kind of take like i love if there's something just kind of like inhuman about him that just really works his his physical – he got more opportunities. Yeah, you know, Tim Curry was probably like 40 by the time he played Pennywise, I think, or somewhere around there. Bill Skarsgård's like 25, and because of that, you get to see some really solid physicality from him. Like, he's really – which is very much more akin to, like, how he is in the book, which he's always, like, you know, doing cartwheels and stuff like that. Just a very – there was a lot more, like, body work that he got to do. There's that one scene where he's, like, in just dance, doing a jig in front of Beverly, just staring at her with these, like, dead eyes. Oh, and yeah. he's
1: freaky. Now, there there are times in this where they roll his eyes, like, into the oh, back yeah. of his head. Um, th- yep. There are some terrifying close-ups of this clown, uh, oh, yeah, where man. I think the CGI did work. Um, mm-hmm. Others, not so much. But overall... Some extremely visceral aesthetics in this movie. Even the first scene where the the boy gets his arm taken oh, off by oh boy, it.
0: Oof. I was like, good on you guys. Good yeah. on you. Like, they just went for it. Yeah, I mean, they did. But then they, you know, he steals him away inside of the sewer. It's it's much more effective if what happens usually happens, which is he gets his arm ripped, ripped off and then is left there to die to in die. the gutter. Yes. <laughs> we like our kids dead and cold. And in the gutter. In the gutter. Um, in the gutter. <laughs> so yeah there's I mean there's definitely elements I will say there's one moment that felt like every now and then I could watch something I'm like I could be like oh I bet that was a studio note and there's that there's that part in the end when they're in his lair or whatever, and all the kids are floating up in the air. And I was just like, I was like, that's an executive going like, well, I mean, he's saying they all float this whole time. Like they got, we got to show them floating.
1: They gotta float.
0: Yeah, they gotta float. We gotta show them floating. No, 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 no. no, no. Trust <laughs> me, it'll make sense. It'll make sense. It's only gonna make sense if we show them floating at some point. So we're gonna do it. We're gonna show them floating. <laughs> Like, I was like, what is going on here?
1: Yeah, uh, it it is
0: interesting
1: that the the, the last – the climax of the film, uh, it seems like, is where they took a lot of liberties.
0: Yeah, and I will say, though, some of them them worked because I don't know if you know what happens or remember what happens in the book. But it's like, you know, when they defeat him or quote-unquote defeat him. It's through like a whole thing where Bill like goes into his mind basically and then they go into this other universe and Bill gets transport- transported past a giant turtle yeah. uh, which is referenced <laughs> in, the mo- in the movie in the movie there is a turtle watching over them the turtle is is Pennywise's natural enemy and Bill sees it as he's being transported through the universe towards the deadlights and then he's able to um, resist pennywise and stop him and hurt him and but I did I liked what they did here which is make it they def- definitely leaned into the I just wish they leaned into it a little bit more uh, they you know they they overcome their fear and because pennywise like becomes what they believe if they believe something will hurt him it does and that's what happens and i love Richie's little turn moment of like taking that baseball bat and just going to beat the shit out of him. absolutely <laughs> Very i also expected yeah and i thought that fight against him was where some of the cg was real effective cuz all of a sudden he's just morphing into a bunch of different things which is very much from the book um, which was really cool and something you cannot do you know you couldn't have done in 1990 and you can't really do practically It, it works really well with that CG like and you even see him Turn into a spider. Yes. Everybody hates. Oh, thank you really for saying silly. that. Uh, oh, I love uh, I'm still even you, you know what? And I'll say it right now. I'll go on record. I always understood it in the miniseries and I understand it even more in the book. It's all there. It's just what their minds can handle. Yep so good.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, this movie I think it it succeeded on so many levels. Um it was so much fun. I think sure. they really found the heart of Stephen King. It's for a new generation and and I yeah. think we have to keep that in mind. Like we we're not we're not saying oh it's nothing like the miniseries oh he doesn't know oh, absolutely to not curry. i
0: i am I'm, I'm disgusted by how many times i've said well in the source material i'm not that i person. don't want to be that person. usually yeah yeah. i'm not that per- i'm a man who it talked about how much i love that batman v superman just kind of took the source material <laughs> and uh, threw it up against the wall and I don't get and made a lot of nods but we don't know that's neither here nor there well, time for that right now. you know, um, if you
1: if you want to see literally an homage, scene by scene, watch Gus Van Sant's Psycho. That is a piece of shit, exactly incarnate, where every yeah. move, every line, every shot is practically identical to the original and completely worthless to humanity.
0: Yeah, but in this, I I really think that they decide it like. While there were some choices that they made that I did not particularly understand uh, as why they would like changes that they made, there were some where I was like, oh, that's a really good – that was a solid idea. That was a good thing to change. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that, yeah, there was – I enjoyed myself far too much. I'm also excited to see the sequel because, like I said, there's nothing that could have made me happier than having the – The the titles come up at the end and it's saying chapter one across of it across it just to make it very clear, like, you know, it could be like a Kill Bill type situation. And while um, Kill Bill one is not as complete of a film as this one is, I still I do think there will be some they have a unique opportunity to really fill in some gaps and fix some of the problems in a second movie because they're still going to be telling the story. They Absolutely. can just improve they can just improve on it and on what they've already done and already set up.
1: Yes. Now correct me if I'm wrong. In the the semi-mythology we get with uh, Pennywise, this happens every 27 years, am I correct?
0: 27 to 30 years, yeah. Okay, okay. They, so... they say pretty definitively 27 in this movie, um, which is fine, it doesn't matter, but it's, you know, it's about 27 to 30 years.
1: So I guess if we're looking at a chapter two for this, if and when, I, I mean, I would assume it would come out with the box office for this movie, they'd be stupid.
0: Oh, yeah, a... this is all but gonna happen. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. No, i have already wondering... been picked in my dream cast
1: i was gonna say we're not gonna be seeing any of the same actors presumably i mean oh, yeah, if yeah no, if, if no way going they to be like 40 older. yep yep which will be uh, interesting i i wonder if they'll keep bill skarsgård you know this oh they have to uh, oh, they have to clown he he is going yeah. to be the new icon for this i think
0: yeah oh yeah they have to i can oh my god and i can't wait it has to oh I will say that's something I'm very that is something I'm very excited to see. Like, it has to be the same actor and they have it like and where this movie, these movies are like Kill Bill, I will say, is you they do have that opportunity where like this movie does have more of a not throwaway feel, but it's more of like an adventure, just like a fun. This is something that happens to these kids and they fight back against it. And this is the story uh, kind of feel to it, almost like kind of the first *Kill Bill*. It's kind of the straightforward, like fun action-y revenge movie. But then you get into the second movie, and it's got the heart and the explanation, and you really get details as to what happened, and you get the emotion of the story in the background. And I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, I hope that they're able to handle it correctly. And I, I don't want to, like, you know, go against anybody. Some talented people worked on these movies, but I do think that I feel like there was, um, if there's enough from Kerry Fukunaga's story that got used, that got him a writing credit, that means that they have an interesting challenge ahead of them doing it without him. And I mean, because other, otherwise they would have just scrapped, the, they would have started from scratch and yeah. they would have done their own thing. And that's clearly not what happened. And he's not going to be around for the second one. And the second one has to be deep. It has to be about these people, like, these kids coming back as adults. It's about rediscovering your childhood and, like, memories and how to – like, it's got to be where a lot of the meat is. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll see. And presumably how these events in this one
1: affected their growing up. Yes, you know? absolutely. It's yeah, not yeah. like these things can just be shaken off and they're like, oh, yeah, it's been 27 years. Crap! You know, it, it's yeah. – like, these things are going to haunt them for the rest of their oh, well, lives.
0: Well, well, no. I mean, they'll haunt Mike, but but that's the whole twist, if you don't... if, if I don't know if you Spoiler. remember. Spoiler! Spoiler! They leave town, and everyone forgets everything. They forget each other. Yeah. And then, 27 years later, Mike is hanging out at home, and, uh... He, he's the murder start up again and he calls everybody one by one. And all of a sudden they're like, like I'm, they're like, I'm sorry, Mike Hanlon, who are who, you? And then, yeah. and then he's just, then they, boom, it's like a flash. So, yeah. oh man, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> as
1: long as they take their time. And like you said, they really give it the heart and love that I think they did with this one. Um, you know, the entire creative team from the writers to the director, to the cast, everyone, it's clear was
0: <laughs> producers too. So, yeah. Seth Graham Smith, um, who's more of like you know that's the Pride Prejudice and Zombies guy. Um, mm-hmm. He's been an active producer on this uh, since Carrie Fukunaga was supposed to be doing. Wow. Fukunaga was supposed to be doing it. Yeah, and he's and has only stayed on since then. It's been it was a very active part of production. So we'll see. I I I, I they they uh, I mean I'm gonna see this one in theaters again before it's out of theaters. I still had a blast, and I can't wait to. I had to get up and pee. Uh, during the cleaning, cleaning the blood scene, so I gotta no. go back and do that. I, 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 I'm okay with that only because I heard it was one of the weirdest things in the movie. <laughs>
1: it was pretty weird. You got like this, this nice '80s song going on. Yeah,
0: I was about to say just because the music choice was was jarring. That moment should have some weight to it.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Uh, um, and I, did, it didn't. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know. I, I can't judge. I'll have to see it again because I didn't see that scene. But I know. In the book's end in the miniseries, she, she says like a whole like, you know, once they helped her clean it, it never came back. Mm-hmm. But they also don't show it happening again. So who knows? That blood scene was great.
1: Yeah. That yeah. was a
0: great, uh, ultra-bloody, her just getting trapped in there. Like, there was some good – that dude is a good director. And I'm excited to see him. Um, he's doing a pilot for Lock and Key for Hulu, which is a comic book series by Stephen King's son. Did you ever read that?
1: No, I have not.
0: Ryan – Ryan, I'm I'm holding to you the, the you to this because uh, it's being recorded. You go out tomorrow and get the first volume of Lock and Key. Uh, and if you're not hooked, I don't know what to do for you uh but it's a it was a comic book series by joe hill who's stephen king's son and uh this artist gabriel rodriguez and it's about these kids who after their father's grisly murder return to his um, childhood home which he inherited and find they find these special keys that give these them like secret powers but then they also find out that there is a demon that will Mm. stop at nothing to get the keys for themselves and it is amazing it is one of the best comic books that's ever been created it's got it's got it was it it was you know it's got a finite run i think there's maybe like 38 issues uh it's great great horror comics great oh, i'll stuff. have to check that out yeah and and um andy Muschietti, who is doing the pilot which there was a pilot that was done like maybe like seven years ago or so that didn't get picked up but they're doing a new pilot for hulu he's directing it he's co-writing it with joe hill and the kid who Plays Georgie is gonna play a main little kid in uh, the TV show.
1: Amazing! This yeah, see, yeah. this is what I love about streaming. I think Beverly's television. gonna be in it too. Is she? Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. She was great, by the way. The actress. she was real
0: good. And yeah. if they don't get Amy Adams to play an older version of her, I feel bad. Who, That's what her. I said. She looks. Oh my god, I, she looks just like her.
1: With with the money that Crazy. this movie made, I she would be dumb to not take that role.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll be interested to see. Well, I think it was clock to make like. 60 million by the end of the weekend uh it'll probably make more than that and that's you know twice its budget that, oh that makes God. its money back in the first weekend um Sex so they're we're sets. getting a sequel i just hope they give them they give them more money i want more dairy uh ryan there was such a big tea there's oh uh, there's plenty of great like book stuff in there but mm-hmm. so richie and they they have it in this too like richie is constantly like you know he's the joking one and the loud mouth and doesn't really believe what's going on and then uh he has a great moment in this movie where he's finally like, Oh shit. In the book, there's this giant statue of Paul Bunyan, right? That's in the center of Derry. And yeah. it's, it, it's in the movie, um, in the book, it bends over and talks to him, like gets right in his face <laughs> and then turns into Pennywise and then like starts wa- like chasing after him. Um, it's crazy. So when they showed that statue in, and I'm pretty sure it's at a moment where he's just like, guys, I haven't seen anything. You're all nuts. And I was like, oh, my God, is he going <sighs> to come to life? And you know what? Maybe if the budget was $60 million, it would have.
1: Yep, yep. <laughs> my, my Here's my fear. The budget will be upped by millions for the sequel. I just hope that it doesn't overshadow the story they're trying to tell. Making okay. it too big budget Hollywood.
0: Agreed, and it could as long as they stick to the uh, you know they. I'll be interested to see what they do for a finale for this next one. Um, mm-hmm. They have some choices, uh, especially since they have they could take it right from the source material if they want. Since they changed it so much for this one, but I I kind of I liked the grounded feel, but I would like to see them. It's interesting. It was interesting watching kids have to act like adults to get out of this.
1: Yes, I want
0: to see adults have to act like kids.
1: Oh, what a wonderful turn of events! Yeah,
0: like I really want them to see to have to use their imagination, have to do something like step out of their comfort zone as far as like believing. Because uh, one thing they don't really touch on a lot in this. I mean, they mentioned it briefly with the blood and stuff, but it's like the adults just don't see this stuff. Like yeah. they don't even because technically, what it's doing. Is not even real most of the time. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see these adults who are seeing this in the sequel interacting with other adults who aren't, who and aren't, like what, yeah, that, yeah, what that lends to it. So yeah, they gotta, they got some challenges ahead of them, but I'm, I'm excited. We'll see.
1: Me too, man. I, I think you know we can both agree this, this was a, this was a good movie. It was a solid, yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. I will
0: absolutely. definitely like be said, going I'm to see it again. S- Yep, I'll be seeing it again within the week, easily.
1: All right. You know? Well, I think that's it. I think we pretty much Sweet. covered it all. Yeah. I, I, I mean, hope yeah, people I uh, enjoyed. I hope people go see the movie. I hope we didn't get away. Yeah, form your
0: own but opinion. It's a it's a great time of year for it. It's already starting to feel like fall, and I just – this is a great – you know me and how I love me some Shocktober, and I have to get prepared early this year. Uh, yes. Because I'll be on my honeymoon and having my wedding during October this year, but I am – this is a great thing way to kind of kick things off.
1: Get things going. Yes, for those yeah, who don't know, I, w- uh, every, I did want to mention every every October, Andrew does do what? A whole month, right? Of covering yes. horror movies.
0: The entire purpose of my podcast, Half-White Son of a Black Man, is thrown out the window so I can bring in some friends to talk about horror movies. And Ryan, I, I will have to, like I said, it will be, last year I did nine episodes. I would say I do about four episodes a month of mm-hmm. the podcast regularly. We did nine yep. last year year um at um mostly except for one episode each episode was three movies a piece so i watched three i I ended up for the month watching on my own end because of the podcast somewhere around like 33 horror movies God, it might have been way more than that actually because there was ones that i stopped counting because i started early um anyway i this year it'll be a little bit uh, lessened but i would like to propose right now for fun um, I say, uh, for a nice little synergy, I, we might try to get Nick in on this, with, who you are usually co- in cohorts with. Yes, Who Absolutely. I have you guys come on, but I would love to talk about the miniseries.
1: Absolutely, um, let's do it. it. it
0: we'll do a nice little crossover. We'll re—I'll repost this bad boy, and then we'll also talk about the uh, the miniseries for it. I so in so people can have that to look forward to come Topa time.
1: Awesome. And where can we find the podcast, Andrew?
0: You can go to www.halfwhitesonofablackman.com. You can go to Half White Son of a Black Man on Instagram, Half White Son of a Black Man on Facebook, and at official h w s o b m on Twitter.
1: Perfect. You got
0: options. There, there's and many iTunes. Options. You can go to You can just type into iTunes or wherever podcasts are found.
1: Oh yeah, that's a thing. iTunes. I forgot.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. who'd have thunk it? They do good work. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah, this yeah. has been a uh, an impromptu review of it guys go see it in theaters yes. now and uh, let us know what you think once we post this please feel free to contact us let us know your thoughts and yeah. uh, we will maybe even read some of them on the next episode of Somewhere in the Skies we we shall see nice. cool man alright Andrew thank you for joining me all the way from New York one coast woop woop. to the other and uh woop woop. Congratulations on the wedding, my friend. Oh, thanks,
0: buddy. I'll see you there. <laughs> I will see you right? there. Huh? Huh? Eh? Cool. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Auga.
1: And you too, Andrew. <laughs> you too will float. <laughs> Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with
0: Antica Productions and the Antica Podcast Network. To learn more, visit anticaproductions.com.